You're listening to the MBS by BSSF podcast with me, Bradley Goldman, sports nutrition specialist and founder of the nutrition program NBS. Here we have my co-host, Jennifer Barker. Hello, everyone. And if this is your first time tuning in, welcome and buckle up for our no bullshit approach to all things fitness, nutrition, and much more. If you're returning for this week's episode, welcome back. Clear the room of any little ears, turn the volume up, and let's get to this week's episode. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the MBS podcast. Of course, we have our co-host, Jennifer Barker. Jennifer, say hello. Hello, everyone. And we have one of the original West Coast Tonal Instructors, Nicolette Amarias. Nicolette, say hello to everybody. Hey, everybody. If you guys don't Glad know, to be here. Yeah, if you guys don't know Nicolette, I mean, you should just go pop her name into Google right now. This woman is a ray of fucking light. Um, she Her energy... Literally just getting on the podcast right now is incredible. So Nicolette, let's uh, let's tell everybody about you really quick. Um, tell us about how you got involved in the fitness industry, your credentials in the industry, how you got involved with Tonal and give us just a little rundown. Yeah. So I kind of got into, into the fitness, fitness industry through my dad. My dad is someone who has been in fitness and worked out for a really long time. And then also got into it in college. I was like, At the time, I was like, I don't want to gain the freshman 15. So I got into fitness. And that's like the really early beginnings from there. I've mostly been able to use my certifications through the Czech Institute, through Poliquin, um, various, you know, other certifications, and then also Kilo Strength Society. So those are my priorities as far as programming and postural health. And I was found by Tonal because I ran my business out of Diakati, which is where all of the other original coaches ran their businesses out of. And I've been doing that for, gosh, 11 years. Here we are. <laughs> so you said your dad was in the fitness industry. Tell us a little bit about that. What does he do or what did he do? Tell us. A yeah. Bit. So he's not in the industry. He's just always been into working out and movement. And in college, in my freshman year, I remember just like texting him and being like, dad, like, how do I get abs? You know, like, <laughs> what do I do? Like the very, you know, how we all get into fitness, which is like a little bit of cardio, some abs, maybe like throw in some arms and like, there you go. Yep. Uh, I had been active growing up. I played soccer my whole childhood. So I needed something to keep me active while I was in college. And I just quickly fell in love with it. Um, I started reading magazines, getting a little bit more educated, I enjoyed so much just sweating and and being able to exert a lot of energy. I missed that with not dancing anymore in high school and then not doing soccer consistently. So I, my dad and I have always connected in a major way with that. When I go visit him, we're always at the gym together. Um, we really enjoy movement. For him, movement is incredibly important for his mental health. And I've kind of learned to really take take that type of approach to my mental health as well. No, that's awesome. Yeah. As, as somebody who has a daughter, uh, that, yeah. that, that's awesome. It gives me something to look forward to. I, I, I'll never forget. I was sitting at a dinner table once and somebody asked me, they said, um, if there was one thing that was taken away from you and that you would, you would call it quits. Like you throw, you throw in the towel and be like, I don't want to live anymore. What would it be? And my first words out of my mouth, I said, you put me in a wheelchair, take a shotgun to me too. I said, I can't move. I mean, I'll have to admit here. So like my dad is like that. My dad like loves movement. My dad, like he loves being at the gym. Mm-hmm. I'm a lazy motherfucker. If I can just <laughs> lay on the couch and drink wine all day. I, no, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. 
if I, I can't turn the camera around, but we, we in our California home, in our Denver home, we have wine fridges that are very large and yeah. <laughs> just actually moved an empty bottle of wine off this table like five minutes before the podcast. <laughs> yeah, no. I always I, I feel like people too. yeah. I feel like people are always surprised when I call myself lazy because I'm I'm an entrepreneur, I run my own business. Recently, I stepped away from Tonal. So in a matter of a couple of days, my business was like back up and running. But there's something about me that's, if I, if, if I felt the same way about myself and my body and I got the um, endorphins and all the amazing things that I feel from movement from laying on a couch, <laughs> I would definitely just lay on a couch. Look, there's, I, so there's nothing I, wrong I with love, that. Yeah. I love movement and I've obviously found such an incredible life from it, but I'm also just lazy as fuck. <laughs> you know, awesome. it's funny because, you know, when you talk about movement for me, it's like, I, I was a power lifter for most of my twenties. So for me, squat, bench, deadlift, you know, front squats, like take those four things away from me. And I'm like, oh. I mean, same. If you've done any of my programming on Tonal or at like any of my program design clients, like my programming is very much so from the primal movement patterns, which is yeah. squat, lunge, push, pull. And we move out from there, especially once I started getting certified with like uh, Poliquin and Kilo Strength Society and their, and their philosophies, which is very much so like barbell moves, big, very intentional about how I program right. and how we move. But I mean, you get me on a tonal and you're making me do like a plank with row. I'm like, no, please. No, don't make me do this. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm, I'm the same. When we are. Make when me we're... plank and then make me row. Cause then I'm going to like pull as much weight as possible. I'm always just like in the game of like, how can I just lift as much as possible and feel as strong as hell? That's the exercises I want to be doing. <laughs> so you'll never catch a program from me that has you doing like a plank with row. Like that's just not my style. Um, but there's plenty of other coaches for that, which is why it's such a well-rounded platform. I love hearing that from a woman's perspective, because I think there's so there's still, even today, there's this idea that women should lift light, lots of reps, tone your body. When I started lifting heavy is when I saw the biggest changes in my body in my 40s. And so yeah. I think that the more that we can continue to try to break down that stereotype of that lifting heavy is going to make you bulky, that you're going to be this like giant, you know, power lifting looking person as a woman you're physically unable to do that. Like your body doesn't have the right hormones to make that happen, but you can also still gain muscle and lose fat by lifting heavy weights. And the heavier you lift, the better your body's going to let look. And it, it, yeah, to continue to push that into your forties. I want to be lifting heavy into my fifties. Like that's my real long-term goal is to continue yeah. to have that mindset as I get, you know, older and older. But you're I always tell people, Oh, go on. No, sorry. You're, you're talking about being lazy. And I was like thinking about it. I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm so lazy. Like when I was younger, all the hypertrophy free work, all like hour and a half, two hours in the gym. Now, like my, like my four main lifting days is literally a back squat day. And the only movement I do other than like movement prep is I back squat. My deadlift days, I just deadlift. My bench, I just bench. I'm like, yeah, those are yeah. my favorite days. I'm like, you know what I do? I do one fucking thing and I do it really fucking well. And then I'm done. Then I'm out. I'm out. I'm like, great. Yeah. I'm like, we were in the gym today and it's a D, I have two weeks of deload. I'm like, oh, fuck my life. It's like, okay, I guess I'll do like 
three sets of 10 reps of this thing. I'm like, okay, I'll do some chest flies. I'm like, this is terrible. (laughs) This is fucking awful. Like it's hard. (laughs) No, it's too much fucking work. I'm like, I, can I just, can I just squat? Can I just bench? Can I just deadlift? Can you leave me the fuck alone? No. What were you going to say, Nicolette though? So I was going to say, I always tell my clients, my female clients who have, which I haven't, you know, as a coach, I feel like when you start getting educated in certain things, you start to attract certain clients. So I haven't attracted a client recently. That's really had a concern about like getting too muscly. Like all my clients are like, yes, I want to be strong. (laughs) Um, But in the past, I've always just been like, it is so much harder to gain muscle than you're making it seem like (laughs) You think that you're going to be able to like get bulky girl. That shit's going to be so hard. You are not (laughs) like that. You're going to have to do so much more work than you're wanting to do. Believe me, like that's not going to be the case. And, and for me, I remember there was like a pivotal moment in my training. I started out at 24 hour fitness. I worked the front desk. I became like a service manager. I all before I was like 22 years old, I was a literal child managing (laughs) adults. And I worked there first, I became a trainer. And literally a year after being a trainer there, I was like, this sucks. I want to make more money. I could make way more money. If I just train these, all of these people I have on my own, I'll make a hundred percent of what I'm making. And that's what I did. Um, but when I first started, I remember this moment I was in 24 hour fitness. I was already a personal trainer at the time. But people think like, as soon as you become a trainer, you're like, oh, you like know everything. I remember when I first you're became no a trainer, shit. I was like, I was like, wait, so you guys trust me to like teach people that I don't know shit. <laughs> like, I'm literally, <laughs> I don't know anything. So my first couple, my year, first six months year, I didn't even like deadlift. I didn't front squat. Those are the things that you learn in those like you know, NASM, like very general, like certifications that I first had. And I remember doing a deadlift for the first time with one of the other coaches there. And I was like, yes, (laughs) this is what I want to do. I felt so strong. I felt so powerful. So like in my body. And I thought this is exact. This is why people work out all of this, like ab shit that I've been doing for four years. (laughs) Like none of that mattered in that moment. I was like, all I want to do is lift more weight. And I just remember thinking like, did you guys all see that? I just, I just deadlifted 80 pounds. <laughs> Everyone, like, I was just so excited, you know? And I feel like that's really what triggered my um, desire to like start my own business and find an education, a deeper education in movement and find a specialty. And that's really where my business like took off. So speaking yeah. of speaking of your business, this kind of segues yeah. to my first question. Um, you kind of, you know, like I said, there's an intake form, but you talk about in your intake form something that you're most proud of in your career. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Remind me what I said in my intake form. Right. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's to be completely and fully authentically you on camera. Which yes. before we go into it. So when we had Paul, Paul's episode uh released uh, just a couple weeks ago. The reason we had Paul on the podcast was Paul posted something um, during one of the terrible things that happened this year. And he posted and he said, my favorite thing about my job is that I get to be black. And I will, Mm -hmm. I mean, that just gave me chills now. I will never forget reading that because I read that and reached out to him instantly because it was such a profound statement. 
And that's, I feel like you're saying something pretty similar here. You said, I get to fully and authentically be me when I'm on camera, which is so rare in yes. this stupid fake fucking day. And so <laughs> yeah. tell me a little bit about that. Nicole. Yeah, that's so funny. I was like, I was before this, I was like, gosh, I, feel, I remember filling out this form and I like remember filling out some really good shit and <laughs> I didn't like look at it. And it's so funny because it shows you how the phases of your life are so different every single day. Like I'll wake up one day and be like, this is my favorite thing. And then the next day it's like, no, this is my favorite, <laughs> you know? So it's, I'm funny. I'm glad I asked. Cause I feel like every single, especially my life is changing so rapidly with how I just shifted my career. And so anyway, um, being, being able to just be myself has been one of the biggest gifts that I've learned in the last five or so years, as I became a coach and I was working with clients one-on-one, you you are naturally yourself usually when you're one-on-one with people. And as soon as I had to transition my career to being on camera full-time, it completely changed everything for me. And it was so hard at first. If you look at like our early, early content on Tonal, it's like cringy. (laughs) It's very robotic. And we're like still trying to understand like what the hell we're doing. And then you, as you go later on, you start to see this shift. And I remember, I remember the moment where I was like, Oh, like that's how I become authentic on camera. And I thought, who am I with the people that know me best? Who, who am I with those people? And the first person I think of is my fiance, Jason. Who, what is the person that I, who, who is that person when I'm with him? When I'm on the couch, when we're watching TV, when we're cooking dinner, who is this person? And I first thought was like, well, she's a freaking ding dong. So <laughs> that's who she is. Like, I'm a total weirdo. I'm, I'm like jumping around, making stupid noises, making funny faces, like cracking jokes, just trying to like annoy the shit out of him. Like that is who I am. And I wasn't like that on camera yet. And I remember being like this, like this is the gold ticket, the golden ticket right here is, is being able to bring who I am at home with the person who knows me best and being able to bring that on camera and sharing that with a wider audience. And that just broke open everything for me. I remember one of my first live classes where I was like, holy shit that was me. Like that was me. (laughs) Uh, That was fully me. I'm so proud of that. And it's so much harder than you would think. As soon as the camera turns on, you're like, and you're just like upright and straight and stiff. And, and to be able to just fully be yourself. And I feel like that's why so many of my clients and people online appreciate what I create is because I really do feel like I am very myself online and on camera. And it's such a gift. Some of that comes with age, you know, I think as I yeah. when I 40, I definitely figured out like what was authentic, who I authentically was. And honestly, like you were saying about your fiance, when Bradley and I first met, like he started to like peel back the layers of this facade that I had created for myself and like the, the life that I thought I was supposed to have and the person I was supposed to be. And all of a sudden he saw me for me. And I was finally able to like break out of that shell and I can be goofy. And like some of my best girlfriends who've known me forever have said to me, you've lived more authentically in the last year than I've seen you in the 10 years I've known you before, because I finally had somebody that was like 
mirroring me back. And when I'm around Bradley, I glow in a different way than I do. And I've been able to kind of harness some of that and take that with me. And so I love that you were able to think about the one person who you're able to be authentic with and then turn that into who you were on camera. That's awesome. Yeah, because it's hard I'm not, to find I'm not otherwise. Crying. I'm not crying. Everybody else is crying. I'm not crying. Everybody else is crying. Sorry, Nicole, what were you saying? No, I was just like, that's how, I mean, that's just like, it I, It clicked for me because I was like, how do I get, I could see myself on camera and I was like, something's not clicking. Like something, there's something here that's not fully me. Like, what is that? Like, how can I change that? I know I can do better. And like, that was, that was the ticket for sure. And now I'm just like so proud of everything that I can, you know, the the arsenal of of expertise that I have. Nicolette, really quick, can you mm-hmm. before for people that don't know who you are, who are listening to you the first time that can't and I and I hate to bring this up, but can't see what you look like. Tell us a yeah. little bit about your your heritage. Tell us a little about your all all your artwork. Um, <laughs> tell us so that they can kind of paint the picture real. Yeah, quick. yeah. So I am. I'm Spanish, so I'm brown. I'm a brown girl, uh, and I am heavily tattooed. So I'm a heavily tattooed female. I have um, a good majority of my body uh, covered in tattoos. Not everything, but uh, I, I have. I'm not. You know, I like to to differentiate. Like there are people with tattoos, right? There's tons of people out in the world. Probably a majority of people at at this point have some type of tattoo or or tattooed. Um, but I, I feel like the difference is like being a tattooed person is different than having tattoos. So I would definitely consider myself a tattooed person. Now, a ton of my friends have way more tattoos than me. I worked at a tattoo shop for many years. So (laughs) when, until really, until I was like, um, on a camera, I actually was like, I'm not that tattooed. Like all my friends have way more tattoos than I do. Um, but now that I'm in the, I'm more in the public eye, I understand that it is, it is quite different, especially being a woman. Um, yeah, so I'm a, I'm Spanish. I always thought I was Mexican growing up. (laughs) I legit like thought I was from Mexico, my family, but I got a DNA test like years and years and years ago. And it was like 76% Spanish. I was like, Oh shit. I am not Mexican as much (laughs) as I thought I was. Um, but I grew up like eating tamales on, you know, on Christmas, but that was kind of the extent of lots of green chilies because my family is from New Mexico. Um, but that was the extent of like my Latin culture. I don't speak Spanish and it's something I've actually always felt really insecure about and felt like I just never belonged anywhere. I grew up in Orange County, so very white area, like predominantly white. Like I only went to school with a very few amount of people that were, um, brown or of color. And I remember always feeling very different because especially when I lived in Southern California, my skin was a lot darker, significantly darker because it was, I was in the sun all the time. So I felt very different yet. I didn't fit in with the people that I looked like because I couldn't speak their language. Mm. And it's always been something where it's like, I, I want to belong. That's one of my, as I feel like as a human being for me, that is one of my pillars in my life is belonging and wanting to feel like I'm a part of something bigger than myself. And I always struggled when I was younger to find that I didn't because 
I, I thought that I needed to find a group based on who looked like me. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I found that an alternative community. I started, I listened to a lot of hardcore music when I was in high school and I started getting pierced and I got tattooed on my 18th birthday. So I was in a, like an alternative culture, which I then kind of attached to because I wanted to look like people that, you know, I associated with. Um, and my dad's heavily tattooed as well. So that's another mm-hmm. reason we, we really connect. Um, yeah. So it's been like an interesting process to, to move through all of that. And I've landed in a place where I feel much more comfortable where I am being, being okay with the fact that I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> no, it, it's funny. Cause I'm, so I speak Spanish. I grew up, my, my grandmother grew up in our house or she, she helped raise me. I speak fluent Spanish. Um, but out of all of my cousins, I'm the lightest. I'm half, mm-hmm. I'm half. My dad's a, my dad's a New York Jew. Okay. So I got my Salvadorian mother as I got a New York Jew. Mm-hmm. So I'm always lightest and like, I'm Blanco. Like everybody picks on me. Cause no matter, even when I'm speaking Spanish around my family members, to me, I'm like, my, my dialect sounds different when I'm around them. All of a sudden my dialect sounds like theirs. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it sounds like the thickest white accent possible. Um, but <laughs> going back to, you know, you said your pillars, I, you know, t- about wanting to be um, accepted. Um, I think, you know, human connection, uh, if we're all being honest with ourselves, I think that is one of the pillars, one of, probably one of the top pillars that most of us, whether we're striving for or not, is just genuine human connection. Because especially to, in today's day and age, genuine human connections feels virtually impossible. No pun intended there. But, you know, know. Through social media, the internet, um, like COVID caused COVID, a lot of that. Yeah, COVID. I mean, I'm, I'm the person now I hate texting. I hate texting because I'm on my phone all day, every day for fucking work. I'm the person who just calls you up. I'm like, I'd rather call you for five minutes and hear your voice. Jen- <laughs> That's my fiance. He's also the same way. I hate, I'm like a texter. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, no, I'm like, I'll FaceTime you. I want to see your face. Like I, cause again, going back to that thing, you know, going back to the pillars and I, think all of our audience could, if we sat down for a minute and really thought about it, everybody listening, what do we all really want in life is we want genuine connection because genuine yeah. connection makes us feel appreciated. It makes us feel loved. It and makes seen. us feel safe. It makes us feel seen. We want makes- to feel understood. I, understood. I, exactly. yeah, I read it. I read, I don't remember what book it was, but it was like a, a psychologist or a doctor that wrote about understanding and how that's like one of the pillars of all human nature comes down to just wanting to be understood. And even if you think to like arguments you have, misunderstandings you have with people and how much it hurts and irks you as a human being to not feel like people understand you. I think that's, and that ties into just how I look, right? Like I, I, I can't even tell you the amount of opportunities I haven't been given or I've been rejected from with brands and even in fitness based on how I look. When my male counterparts are getting the same opportunities that are tattooed, it is so different for women in, in this scenario, like having, have, you know, looking this way and it's, it's something that I, I feel like for a long time, I, it was like, it would make me angry and frustrated. And as of late, and I'm talking like weeks, months, like this is still something that I work through all the time. This is recent. I'm actually coming to a point where I'm like, wait, this is an advantage. I look different. I am not like everybody else. And I need to understand and believe that I'm different. And there's nothing wrong with that either. 
I'm sorry. And it's a power, it's powerful. Like it's a good thing. Like, why am I thinking that this is a bad thing? This is not a bad thing. No, it's not at all. It's funny. My dad, every time I get a new tattoo, like I just got like a tiny little rocket jammer on my leg. And I goes, he, he doesn't question anything anymore. He's just like, okay. But he goes, what are you going to do when you're my age? I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, you're going to be old and wrinkly. I was like, right. And my skin is going to be a lot more interesting than your skin. My skin is going to have art on it. It's going to tell a story. So it's going to be wrinkly and old. And by the time I'm 77, guess what? I won't fucking care that I'm wrinkly and old anyway. So what's the difference? No, my, I don't think my parents have asked about my tattoos in a long, long time. Long, long time. I remember when I first started getting tattooed though. Oh, my poor mom, which I understood. You know, I was like, I get it. As I got older, I was like, I understand. Like I'm, I'm per- permanently changing the way that I look this, this, this child that you gave birth to, I'm, I'm altering my appearance drastically. So I could understand like where she was coming from, but you know, now she doesn't, it's not her even your <laughs> body, your choice as we often say. Um, yeah. One of the things that I love that you talked about and you mentioned it earlier was mental health and you, and you're in your intake form. You talk a little bit about therapy and how that really had helped you through some of the confusing times in your twenties. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about um, how therapy has helped you? Because I think Bradley and I both, we will attest that therapy has helped both of us in absolutely. many, many ways. Mm-hmm. I see a therapist continuously now. Um, I absolutely adore her. She has helped me get through some really hard trauma work, but I'd love to hear kind of your experience with therapy as well. Yeah. So I mentioned before, like I had started my fitness career, like many people, which is like abs, cardio, get shredded. Like that's what working out is. Right. And that for me transitioned to a very unhealthy experience and relationship with food and with diet. I was bulimic for seven years um, from my late So I was like 18 until, you know, seven years after that, which is actually much later than most um, Mm. girls are have their eating disorders start. Mine didn't start until like the end of my freshman uh, year of college. And it it was rooted in in fitness, really. And, And that's not an odd relationship for women, especially and men, I just don't think it's talked about as much with men uh, it, to start in fitness. Most of the women I know in fitness started off with a very unhealthy relationship with food and working out, whether it's an actual eating disorder or just disordered habits, almost always, almost always um, for women, it starts there. And I I had started in my college career, I I started having such unhealthy habits. All I wanted was to be small and skinny and found my value in being tiny. I was always small. I've, and if I'm being brutally honest, I've never been overweight. So it's, it's not something that I was trying to lose weight. It was like, I'm trying to stay this way because this is how I've always been loved. So how could I possibly change. So I can't gain 15 pounds my freshman year. I can't, I can't let that happen. And it was a very hard, um, seven years. I was even a trainer during that time, which Mm. goes to show you that a lot of the fitness industry, unfortunately is sick people trying to help sick people. It's all, it's all Um, mirrors. Yeah. I mean, just like in, in, um, in the medical field, So many doctors we show up to are not healthy and they're trying to tell their patients how to be healthy and they are not living up to that standard themselves. It's, it's, it's constant in any field that you're in, especially though in medical and health industry. And I was someone that was giving people advice and was not able to like actually take care of myself. 
Um, I'm, I'm a very rare case that I was able to get out of that habit literally like cold turkey. I just woke up one day and was like, I'm not doing that anymore. And I never did for a lot of people. That's not how it goes. It's, it's a lot, that's a lot that worse. You can die. It was, it was scary for sure. Um, but that's from there, I was able to then use movement as a way to, I don't know. I think that's around the time I talked about the deadlift situation. It was like, oh, I can be strong. It's just not all about being skinny. This is about just how I feel, the power in which I can exert and show myself what I'm capable of. And when I can show myself I'm capable of some crazy shit, like deadlifting a whole 80 pounds, you know, at the time, <laughs> I was like, I could do anything. Like, this is just the fucking beginning, you know? And that's, that's where my life is led now. And like take and being in therapy and being able to share in moments where I'm like, gosh, I'm feeling really weak right now. And I'm resorting to these habits with food. Like, what does that mean? What, why, why is that something that I go to? And I mean, oftentimes it's usually control is, mm-hmm. is a, you know, a big factor. It's something that, you know, we can control. There's other things in our lives that are out of our control this is something that we, you know, we have access to being able to like harness and hold on to. Yeah. I think we also like hold on to that number on the scale, like that control. Like if I can just stay in this number, like I just came back from vacation. I got on the scale this morning and I was like, oh my God, that's a number I haven't seen in so long. And immediately my brain was like, oh my God, cleanse, like stop, like just don't eat anything today. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Go get your latte that you always get every morning Mm -hmm. like over and just be kind to yourself. I think we, we, we constantly are trying to control our lives and be, and sometimes you just can't be in control. Sometimes you have to let go and just know that it's going to be okay. That's actually one of the things that your dad gave you some really good Mm -hmm. advice. Um, and it reminds me of that. Can you tell us a little bit more about like the best advice that your, that your dad gave you? Yeah. So my, like I said before, my dad and I are super duper close. He's like my best friend and such a loving, caring, just a big buff tattooed teddy bear. (laughs) Um, He, he is someone that has like pushed me to explore meditation and my own mental health. And he's someone that has explored his own mental health so much more than anyone I know his age. Just thinking about and exploring shame and where that comes from and how it's, it's positioned itself in his life and why he's been so attached to the gym. And is that healthy? And just, constantly exploring. And I have had like the last year has been hard. I, 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 my, my career is being transitioned quickly. And I remember asking him, especially when I was trying to get more comfortable on camera and I was trying to be like, I just want people to like me. I just want, I need to be myself. I just want to be loved. And I want people to like, enjoy being with me and working out with me and all of these things. And He looked at me and it was so simple. And he was like, Nicolette, just do the best that you can. That's all that you can do. He was like, you can't control what that person thinks of you. You can't control what they're going to say about your tattoos. You can't control what what, um, brands are going to reach out to you. You all, All you can do is your best. That's it. And if you, at the end of the day, know that you at least did your best, 
All of that is going to come in the way that it should. And it's not revolutionary and new, but the way he said it was like, oh, that's right. I literally cannot control any of any of you, anyone, anything. All I can do is just show up and do the best that I can. And guess what? Tomorrow, that might look a lot different than today. My best tomorrow might be sitting on my ass, drinking wine and laying (laughs) on the couch. Today, it might be an hour and a half long workout, a five mile walk and like getting shit done on my to-do list. And so I think that's where life gets complicated, but also really rewarding and awesome is when you understand that your best is different every single day and just accepting what that is and being able to move forward and not giving a shit when people don't align with you and just being able to move the fuck on. I had a, I had a therapist. Um, his name is Dr. Terry. I'll actually, if I remember, I'll send him this episode. Uh, Dr. Terry, he used to have a picture that I used to stare at. It was literally just a picture of a fucking canoe. And every time I stared at the picture, he'd look at me and be like, Bradley, what are you thinking? And I said, I'm looking at that stupid fucking picture, doctor. And he'd be like, and what are you thinking? I'm like, that stupid fucking phrase you always tell me when I look at that picture. He goes, and that is, I said, if I change and the world around me changes, great. If I change and the world doesn't change around me, great. Because at the end of the day, all I did was focus on me and let the world around me adapt as it's going to adapt because I can't control it. And that is... Yeah. To, to have that realization that all you can do is control you. That's it. It's just you in the canoe. It's you in the canoe. <laughs> and whatever is yeah. going to happen around you is going to fucking happen, but you just got to keep rowing in whatever direction you want to row and whatever's going to happen around you is going to fucking happen around you. And that's okay. So Nicolette, that was, I'm going to shift gears. Cause that was heavy. <laughs> I'm going to shift gears just for a quick second uh, yeah. before we run out of time. Um, you talk about uh, the number one nutrition related piece of advice that drives you nuts on social media. And I love that you brought this up because I fucking hate it for the same reason. You said the overemphasis around healthy, organic, sustainable Ooh, granola fucking foods. Nicolette, tell me about started. that. You know, this has so much to do with privilege. And when I when I was talking earlier about the fact that like I had an eating disorder and I've actually never gained weight, like I've never been overweight, that is also a privilege. I'm speaking from a small body, right? Mm-hmm. And and there's and, and fitness is all about that. It is mostly white. It is mostly thin. Like that's who's in the fitness industry, right? So When I like am online and I see people that are like, you have to, like, if you don't eat all organic, like you're going to die. If you 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 don't eat all these greens (laughs) and all these colors, you're going to die. And it's just like life or death, or at least like, it's so bad for you and you have to do this. And I always think to myself, wow, that is such a privilege that you get to care about that, that you even get to care that you need vegetables because you are at a place in your life where you don't have to just survive. There are so many people in this world that they don't get to think about vegetables. They don't get to think about organic, not even not let alone. It's just literally too expensive, but they don't even have the resources, the mental capacity, the time to even go there. So when it comes to advice and nutrition online, it just is so obvious the, the emphasis on being able to have access to things that most people do not have access to, or a bunch of people who need it don't have access to. And it drives me insane. 
it's insane. No, it's it's the fucking worst. One of the things um, we obviously we're in a rewrite. We have a we run a nutrition company. Um, yeah. And biggest, you know, I tell people all the time when they talk to us, um, or when we're talking to our registered dietitians and we're you know training them on like how to deal with their members. My first thing, my number one rule is meet people where they're at. That's where you got to start. If you meet yep. people where they're at, then you can build from there. Yeah. But if they're writing chapter one and you're trying to explain volume two, they're never going to get the foundation. And people, we get we get so much flag, especially Jennifer and I, because yeah, do, like do we eat greens? Of course we eat fucking greens. Yeah. Do we eat do we eat whole foods? Of course we do. But you know what else we eat? We eat fucking cereal and we drink wine. So yeah. like, like we yeah. get we're like Captain Crunch, Frosted Flakes, Grape Nuts. <laughs> Like that on top of my yogurt, like, yeah, no, yes. my favorite thing at the end of the night is three servings of Captain Crunch with a <laughs> I used to love caramel. Captain Crunch. Oh, it's so good. Salt and caramel. I can't caramel. have any of that shit. I have celiac disease. So. Oh. <laughs> that's I'm okay. sorry. That's, that's different. That's, that's celiac. <laughs> but you're right. And it's, it's when it comes to talking about organic and don't even get me started on what actually makes something organic and well, how the FDA goes through how there's you three can pay for that. Just like you can pay for anything else. <laughs> I was like, don't get me started. I'm like the three different stickers that you can get, what they all actually mean and who's actually paid off on them. So yeah. again, I'm a person who's like, if I see organic, look, if I see it and it looks tasty, I'm like, okay. But I'm also not the person that's like, I'm going to go by the, where we go, when we go shopping, frozen veggies all day. Because yeah. I don't know why, because they're cheaper and it's fucking convenient. It's easy. Well, you know, it's funny. I like just recently because Allison, who um, who I worked with at Tonal, she often has frozen veggies. And I'm always like, that's so smart. She's like, I just throw it in a bowl, heat it up. And I'm like, wow, I'm always like fresh food. It's got to be fresh. And sometimes for lunch, like just unthaw some from fruits and vegetables and like call it a day. Open up a bag of, open up that bag of salad that you bought that sits in the back of the fridge. That's always so sad when you go to throw it away and you go buy another one. Just open up that yeah. fucking bag of salad. Yeah. Like it's not yeah. that bad. So yeah. Anyway, um, let's start to wrap this up. One of the things before we go, Nicola, yeah. I feel like the theme of this entire episode, you talked about it with your deadlift. You talked about it with um, your battle with uh, bulimia and you talked about self-love. And when you were, hurting in your twenties and you were bulimic and you had that image of self, you were requiring, it sounds like you were looking to others for love. And mm-hmm. once you deadlifted, I'm just using that example, yeah. you found strength in yourself and you were starting to learn that, oh, I don't need the validation from the external world. I can find power and love within myself. And that's where I'm going to start to grow the most from. And I think that is one of the most prevalent things. If you guys didn't listen to anything she said. Which I hope you did. (laughs) (laughs) But tell me if I'm wrong. Is that more or less what you were trying to say in a much more eloquent way way than I did? (laughs) You know, I mean, of course. I, I always am like someone who... I like to come up with ways to say things that use words that we don't hear as often. And so I never have attached myself to like the phrase self-love, but it is essentially that. I think it's more so about understanding that when you show up in the world, if you are not yourself, if you are not, I've experienced this so many times, if you are not yourself, you are not going to feel 
good. You're not going to feel appreciated. You're not going to feel like you belong. You have to be able to show up in the world and just say, this is me. This is me. And I know there are so many people out there who love me for who I am. And if you don't, then I have to be able to move on from that. And that's not my problem. And I think that's a struggle that I'm going to always continue to work through. I mean, that's not, that's not something that's like fixed. Okay. Check it off the list. Moving on. Uh, That's something that I'm always going to be working toward. And I think for me is very powerful because I have this tendency to look to other people like all of us and compare and want what they have and, and need what they, you know, what they have and what they do And it just, it doesn't create joy. And I'm on this mission of just trying to find joy in every single thing that I do, whether that be work, whether that be travel, whether that being with my partner. And yeah, that usually entails just showing up as myself and accepting the fact that I am who I am. Y'all better freaking hop on because this shit's going to be fun. (laughs) Oh, so I have a, I have a personal question. So I grew up in Denver. So very close, like Colorado, New Mexico. We uh, love our green chili. But so you talked about tamales, um, personal preference. Are you a red chili girl or a green chili girl? Green chilies for sure. I mean, my family's actually from Chama, which is right below the border of Mm -hmm. uh, Colorado. So like right up there. Um, and green chilies are definitely like, well, cause it's close to hatch is like just a little bit further down. So that's where all yeah. the good, green yeah. chili, the real yeah. green chili comes from. I grew up eating all green chili for sure. <laughs> Nicola, with that said, let everybody, know, plug all your social media, let them know where they can find your incredible, lovely soul. I am on Instagram at Nicolette.Amarius. You can find the long ass spelling in the title of this episode. <laughs> um, and then you can find me at NicoletteAWellness.com. That's my website where I do a lot of program design and postural health um, assessments and whatnot. All right. And just because we're not cool enough to be on TikTok, give us your TikTok too. Oh yeah. Nicolette Amarius. I am cool enough kind of to be on TikTok. I do a lot of fitness, but I also do a lot of fashion and home decor. Uh, I love home decor. I love bright colors and fashion is a big part of my life. So you'll see a lot of fashion as well as some fitness. (laughs) The, The fashion videos, literally, I got done a rabbit hole probably two or three days ago, getting ready for this, of just scrolling through your videos. I was laughing for a good <laughs> Yeah, I like to just be an idiot. <laughs> you like to be authentically you. With that yeah. said, um, Jay, say goodbye to everybody. Bye, everyone. Nicolette, say goodbye. Goodbye. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the MBS Podcast. Remember, episodes release every other Monday. We will be back with another episode very soon. Thank you for everybody for listening. Hey, everybody, and thank you for listening to another podcast. For more things MBS, you can always find us on Facebook by searching my name, Bradley Goldman, or you can go to facebook.com backslash NBS by BSSF. You can find us on Instagram at NBS by BSSF. And of course, remember, always do something over nothing and focus on progress over perfection. And we'll talk to you guys next time.